You guys doing good today? Guys, I am excited. Yeah, woo! Come on, give everyone a round of applause. Come on. Uh, I'd like to start today with a quote. Uh, today, uh, it's... It, oh, man, my band-aid's falling off. That's kind of weird. Um, this is Impact City. We keep it real. Uh, um, today, I'd like to start with a quote and just kind of, uh, kind of set the tone for where we're going in this message today. This quote is from E. Stanley Jones. He's, a, he's an old theologian, died in like 1920-some. He's one of those old guys with the beards. And so uh, I just want to kind of set this quote out to you guys and just, just listen to this. It says, You cease to move into yourself away from others. You give up your antagonism. You begin to move towards others in love. God moved towards you in gracious outgoing love and you moved toward others in that same gracious outgoing love as the topic for today is is love and serving others the topic for today is how do we love and serve others and for many of us this might sound a little redundant this might sound like something we've we've, we've heard before and, and like you think every time I go to church the pastor's always talking about how well plus we need to love people we need to do all this stuff we need to always love others and listen that's true that's true that's that's sort of the basis and like I said earlier in the prayer that God has has bestowed upon us uh, a command to love one another and it's not a command that we can choose to ignore or we can choose to kind of segregate out to the side or we can pick and choose from the Bible what we want to listen to no he said love one another and we can never listen to too many sermons or too many messages or read too many quotes on the coffee cup about loving one another and what love really is. We can never get enough of love. We can't get enough of my love. You know, we cannot get enough love. And we can preach this to a blue in the face, and it's still not going to be enough for us. And the reason why is because we all struggle with really loving people. Now, you might say, no, that's not true. I really love my wife, or I really love my husband, or I really love my mom, or I really love my dad. Yeah, that's true. But for many of us, those are people we like. Those are people we're, we, 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 they're, they're like us. They, they, they look like us. They talk like us. So, well, I really like, like so-and-so, you know, my, my, my friend so-and-so. We've been through so much stuff here. We do so many things together. No, I'm me. I could tell you all the stories you've been through, the, the, the times where the cops came. And, like, I really love this guy, man. He's awesome. Yeah, because he's like you. He's easy to love because you're really not just loving someone else. You're loving a, an extension of you. But for the majority of us, we struggle to really love the way Jesus really loved. And I'll explain more about that in a little bit. We're going to look into that resolution in the gospel of mark here in chapter 8 so if you have your bibles please open them up to mark chapter 8 again i apologize i don't have any of the scripture on the screen this week but you do have bibles on the edges of your table of your of your rows if you need to pick up a bible that's the translation i'm going through you can read through that it's going to be verse by verse it's going to be perfect you're going to love me for it it's going to be amazing it's going to be good you, I, I swear you're going to be happy so just try it. It's not that bad. Uh, if you have trouble seeing, get your phone out. Download the, uh, the Bible app, the, uh, the, um, the Uversion app. Go to the ESV Bible on there, and you can go ahead and you can read through there as well. 
As you're turning there, let me kind of say how proud I am with some of us, though. Because this week has been a terrible week for me. Um, I came home Sunday, noticed my truck was halfway in my, my yard. And I was like, I didn't park in like that. I realized that I was a victim of a hit and run. And that was terrible. And so I've been going through, like, police reports. And I've been kind of dealing with insurance claims and all that. And then, like, uh, I think Thursday, Sarah's phone totally uh, just, like, messed up. And so we had to go get new phones. And that might sound like a fun thing to you guys. But for me, it's a stressful thing because I'm thinking money, you know. And so all these things that cop up in my life. And I know a lot of y'all have had issues in your lives. I know work has been crazy. And if you're in the old field, layoffs are coming. And, you know, people are just struggling, you know, across the board. And so I want to say how proud I am of you because in this fast life and in this time of craziness, it's really easy to let go of God. And it's really easy to say, like, I don't want to go to church today because, you know, I'm tired. Or, you know, I don't want to go to church today because, oh, but I don't feel like it. I don't want to go to church today because I don't got the money to get there. I don't, I'm too prideful to, to ask for a ride or something. I don't want to go to church. And, or you might say, I don't want to read my Bible today because every time I read it, I'm, I'm just wasting time. I, I feel like I'm, I'm just, I'd rather be on Facebook. I'd rather be doing this or that. Or you say, like, I don't want to listen to worship music today because I know if I listen to worship music, it's going to make me feel good. I just want to be mad today. Like, someday I just want to be upset and down. And for a lot of us in this fast-paced world, we get like that. But for many of you guys, I want to say how proud I am of you because I know that the majority of you guys are sticking to God's Word. And you're fighting that fight. Just like John Carlos says, you have to fight that. Yeah, fight yourself to, to not allow yourself to fall victim and to fall into the deep rut of getting away from God whenever things start getting bad or when life gets fast and crazy. And so I'm proud of you guys. I mean, and you, and you stay connected to His Word through worship, prayer, through church attendance, and coming here and reaching out and reading His Word. That is the, the way to stay connected. I am proud of you guys. So thank you guys so much for being mature Christians and, and, and learning in that. Look, if you, if you haven't, that's okay. Learn through that. Go through that. Challenge yourself every day. Give yourself a challenge. Say, like, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read Scripture today. Or today I'm going to listen to nothing but Christian radio. Today I'm going to do this. Or I'm not, and today I'm just, I, I promise not to insult anyone today. Challenge yourself every day to do something better and to become better. So thank you guys so much for doing that. Uh, Let's get back to the sermon. Okay, sidetrack, ADD pastor, I apologize about that. Here's Mark chapter 8, starting at verse 1. We're going to do something different. We're going to actually just read through the whole thing today. It says, In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered, and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him, and he said to them, I have compassion on this crowd. He says, I have compassion on this crowd. On the crowd, because they have been with me now for three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with bread here in the desolate place? And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? They said, Seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them, and he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And they said, and they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish. Having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. 
And they ate and they were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. And there were about 4,000 people. And he sent them away. And immediately he got up into the boat and his, with his disciples and they went to the district of Del Mufia. So I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking here. Is, that sounds familiar. Like, I know I've heard this before. Uh, deja vu, I think Pastor has read this before. And you know what? Uh, you're right. It, it does sound familiar. Because if you remember, Jesus and his disciples did this earlier in chapter 6. Like two chapters ago, they did something very similar. And what happened was they had gone away uh, across the Sea of Galilee. They went to this, this area of, of, around the Sea of Galilee, and they came upon the shore, and they just wanted to rest. They wanted to relax. They wanted to just kind of chill out for a while because they were tired because they had just came back from a giant mission trip. And they were so exhausted. And as soon as they got there, all these people went around the sea and followed them around the, the, the shore. And they got there, and they were like, oh, my goodness, Lord Jesus, look at all these people. What are we going to do? They're hungry. And Jesus said uh, he had compassion on these people, too. And what he said, well, how many, how many bread do you all have? And he said, man, we got five loaves of bread and two fishes. You all heard that before? Five loaves and two fishes. And they went ahead and took the five loaves of bread and two fishes, and they, they set the people up in little groups of 50 to 100, and they separated all the food, and they fed it to all these people. And they took up so much food, and they had so much leftover, that they, they took up 12 baskets full of food as leftovers. It's very similar to what happened here. And you can see the similarities. People were hungry. Jesus is Jesus. Jesus takes a little bit. He takes like a Lunchable and he feeds you know, thousands of people with it. But if we look at this story again, that's where the similarities end. And if you look closer to the story, you see a very different um, reason for this story being told. You see a very different purpose of this story and the lesson of love is found in this difference. The, the lesson that we're talking about today of love is found in this difference. And this is the, the main point that we're going to talk about today. I just want to just kind of read this again. This is verse 1, just kind of going through this again slowly. It says, In those days when he, when again a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on this crowd because they have been with me now for three days and have nothing to eat. Okay, so during the healing of the deaf man in chapter 7, if you remember that a couple of weeks ago, Jesus was in the region of the Decapolis. And the Decapolis was the, um, the, the area where there was about 10 cities. It's kind of like a little area, a town where the Roman rule was, was, you know, just like the main thing in the area. And the main religion that was in there was various religions, and it wasn't Judaism. It wasn't being Jewish. And so what you had in this area was pagan worship. You had a lot of Babylonian influence. You had a lot of Assyrian type influence in this area. You had a lot of Gentiles, is what we call them. And basically a Gentile was someone who was not a Jew. And we learned that, uh, as we talked about Jews and Gentiles, we learned that the Jews and the Gentiles never really got along. That the Jews were actually called Gentiles dogs, and they were like just scavenged animals that went around and just made a mess. And they were just, they were life-sucking people that went around. They were worth nothing. And these Jewish people were, had a hatred against Gentiles. And Gentiles had a hatred against Jewish people. Because they looked at them like, oh, look at those people. All high and mighty. The worshiping, the, the one true 
true God that they say is a true God, and they hated Jews. So Jews and Gentiles clashed. It was like one gang versus another gang. It, they never got along. It was like cowboys and eagles, bro. You know, it's like now it's going to be Seahawks and Patriots. You know, it was never, they were never, ever, ever really connected. And so this, you know, as Jesus is there, as he's, as he's feeding the 5,000 people in chapter 6, the difference between the two feedings is that when he's feeding the 5,000 people, he's feeding the mostly Jewish audience. The people who are there are mostly Jewish because he's in the region where Judaism is, is, is mostly dominant. But now that he's into the capitalists, he's among Gentiles, 4,000 people come up and he feeds 4,000 people. See the difference there? Jesus was feeding Jews in one story, and then Jesus started feeding Gentiles in the other story. And it makes perfect sense for Jesus to feed 5,000 Jews, right? Because you know what? Jesus was a Jew. And so it makes perfect sense that you would feed your people. Like if you're, if you're, if you, there's a, a ration of food, and let's say the world is goes crazy, and you have a ration of food, and your family comes, you're going to feed your family first. You're not going to feed your neighbors. Hey, that's your problem. You should have stored up some food, man. I'm going to feed my family. This is my mom. My mom gave me birth. This is my, this is me gente right here, man. I'm going to take care of my own. And you would make sense that Jesus would feed 5,000 people. It makes sense that he has compassion on his fellow Jewish man. He has compassion when he sees them hungry and they've been there with him for a long time and he would have compassion because they're Jewish people. See, Jesus said that when he saw the great crowd of Gentile people, he also had compassion. Now, that's, that's weird, though. That doesn't make sense. Why would the Jewish man have compassion for his enemy? But Jesus did. And he starts to show us the way we should love others. In fact, if you look at the story, Jesus has actually more dialogue between uh, the talking about the Jews and, and, and his compassion for them and, and then talking about the Gentiles. If you look, it says, when he's talking about Gentiles, he says, I have compassion on the crowd because they've been with me now for three days and they have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint and some of them have come from a long way. But if you look back in chapter 6 when he's feeding the 5,000 Jews, he just says, he doesn't even say that he said anything. He just said that Jesus had compassion on them. Like he just, he just felt sorry for them. But here he's saying why he feels sorry for them. It's almost like he has more compassion for them. Jesus is displaying to us the core of love, the core value of love, which is being able to love someone that technically you shouldn't love. Being able to feel compassion for someone that you, you really shouldn't feel compassion for because of other reasons. And, and Jesus had every right not to like the Gentiles. We already talked about that. He said that, that those Gentiles were, were always calling them names. They were attacking Jews. They were, they, were, they were just mean towards Jews. And Jews were the same to them. They had every right not to do this. But he was constantly feeding them. He was constantly healing them. He was constantly teaching them things. He was constantly spending time with these Gentiles. And if we're honest with ourselves... There could be some of us who struggle with actually loving people like this. Loving people who aren't like us. If we were all Jewish here, we would have a struggle loving anyone who is not Jewish. We struggle with that. We struggle with scriptures that say uh, to love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. 
Luke 6, 27. We, we struggle with that. Because, because to, to do good to those who hate you, to do good to those who are against you, that's just not right in our eyes. It's a crazy concept, right? Because we're, we're, we are taught that if someone hates you, that if someone disrespects you, if someone hurts you, if someone attacks you, if someone picks on you, then you have every right to do the same to them. That if someone just blatantly cusses you out in front of someone else, that you have every right to do the same back to them. That if someone comes up and attacks you, that you have every right to, to attack them back. I mean, you know, maybe you do. I mean... There's self-defense. I'm not, gonna, I'm, not putting, I'm not knocking self-defense. I mean, I conceal handgun license. That's me. I'm all the way. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm all about that. But, but well, just in day-to-day things, people who hate us, we have a hard time loving them. I have a hard time forgiving them. This concept of living that says that if you hurt me, if you are against me, then I know I'm automatically against you. That whole concept is a selfish driven concept of life and it motivates us to live for ourselves rather than thinking of others but it goes beyond that it goes beyond just 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 hating someone because they hurt you or hating someone because they attack you and not loving someone because they disrespect you or they're angry at you or whatever it goes beyond that and it goes into this feeling of hatred towards people based upon things like race like, I don't like that guy because he's not the same race. I don't like that girl because of, you know, she's this, she's that. He goes into segregation. Girls not liking each other because the way their bodies look or because so-and-so is being with so-and-so, whatever, and you have hate towards that person. Some of us hate people because of homophobia. We can't love someone who has a different sexual orientation than we do. We can't love someone who has a different sexual attraction than we do because they live a different lifestyle than we do. We can't love them. We don't love people because of fear. Some of us will look at people and we say, I, I'm just scared of that guy. He just doesn't look like a good guy. You know, he's tatted up. He's, he, you know, he's got to look like he's got a rough life. I don't even want to be around that person. Take my kids away from that person. And we can't love them. We can't love it because of jealousy. Like I said, some people are just jealous. You look at your neighbor, he's got the brand new Corvette. And he's, he's banking it on money, and you just, you, you hate that. You're, you're angry at that guy. Because in, in your mind, you're thinking, I'm doing everything right, man. I'm tithing, man. I'm trying to do everything right. I'm giving to the church. I'm giving to charities. I'm trying to, to raise my family. I'm trying to save. And this dude over here is over here spending money like, no, like nothing and just... You know, he's buying things, and I'm, I'm jealous, and I hate that guy. We can't love someone because of their skin color, because of their social status, because of their gender confused, or their sexual orientation. We can't love people that are different than us. It's easy to love someone who looks like you in the mirror, but it's hard to love someone who does look anything like you. It's hard to love someone who is a different skin color. It's hard to love someone who might be gay. It's hard to love someone who might be struggling as a drug addict. It might be hard to love someone who is just messed up in the head. It might be hard to love someone who's better off than you and, 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 and holds it over your head like it's some type of, like they're better than you. It's hard to love people like that. I get that. Believe me, I struggle with that. And if I struggle with it, I know you all, all struggle with it too because we're all human. Many of us want to think that we can love people 
because most of us are good people. But let me ask you this. You, 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 think that you, you think you got this down. Like, oh, I love people like that. Believe me, I really do. But let me ask you this. How many, how many uh, friends do you have from another race? <laughs> some of us might have a lot. Some of us might not. But how many of us have friends from a different race? How many of us have ever sat down? And how many, how many, how many homosexuals do you know that you've had a conversation with about God? Or just a conversation about anything. How many people, I mean, how many people like that do we know? How many drug addicts do we know? I know most of us know a lot of drug addicts and alcoholics. But how many do we know that we bring into our homes and we allowed to be in our homes and we allowed to, to just kind of be around our family and maybe we can rub off on them somehow. Maybe we can spend time with them somehow. How, how many people do we know like that that we welcome into our family that might not look like us, might not act like us, that might like the same type of music like us, might not, that might not look or, or be anything like us, but we are willing to welcome them into our hearts and lives. You say that you're a good person, but look into your life. How many of those people are really prevalent in your life? If you have no one like that in your life, then I, I beg the question, are you really loving people or are you segregating yourself from the community around you? How many friends are in your life that when people see you and that friend in public, people are going to start saying bad things about you? How many friends in your life that when you walk with someone, you walk along your friend and people look at you, they say, man, look, I can't believe he's hanging out with that guy. I can't believe he's hanging out with that person. That person has done so much wrong. How is he? Oh, my gosh. You know, Jesus was called a drunkard and a glutton by the Pharisees. You all know that, right? And so he would walk around town and people would see him and look, there goes the drunkard and the glutton, Jesus. You don't get the title of a drunkard or a glutton unless you're hanging around people who are drunkards and gluttons. Like you don't get the title of, look at that guy, he's a drunkard and a glutton if you're just standing outside the bar passing out you know, Bible tracts or something. You get the, the title of you're a drunkard and a glutton because you're inside drinking with the drunkards and you're eating with the gluttons. And that's what Jesus did. He spent time with the people that no one else would love. He spent time with loving others who weren't loved by others. He spent time loving others that weren't loved by others. Jesus was radically splitting the, the, the range of how to love someone. He was radically going in there and just breaking down the wall on how to really love someone. Loving people that were nothing like him. He did this in a certain way. He did this in a way that, was, that we can still do it today. And if we practice this way today, I promise you, you will start seeing people in your life change. And you will start loving people that are nothing like you. Let's read the story again and just kind of go through. This is verse 4. It says, And his disciples answered him. This is the same story. His disciples answered him. How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? Which, if I'm Jesus, I'm shaking my head like, didn't you remember like six, like two chapters ago, we were over there on the other side of the sea, and we had like 5,000 people, and we had less bread, and I still was able to feed these people. Why would you even ask me a stupid question like that? 
We'll get into that in the next couple of weeks, how the disciples were just so blind and so deaf to Jesus. They didn't even see. They were with Jesus every day, and they spent time with Jesus every day, and they asked him the stupidest questions because they weren't looking and really living with Jesus. They were just there with him, but they weren't taking in all of Jesus. They were spiritually blind and spiritually deaf in so many ways. And we'll talk about it in the next couple of weeks. But they asked him that question, like, how are we going to feed all these people? And Jesus is like, oh, oh are you serious? We just did this. Like, like, it was a lot more people. We just took care of this issue. You should know I got this, man. Give me the Lunchable. Let's go. You know, like, we got this, bro. Keep going on. And Jesus asked them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the people, and they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish. I I think that's so cool. They didn't even know they had fish, or they thought they only had a few loaves. And like, oh, we got some fish too. And they found these fish, right? And having blessed them, he said, (coughs) these also should be set before them. And they were satisfied, and they took up the broken pieces and left over baskets, and there were seven full about 4,000 people were there, and he sent them away. Jesus fed 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread and a few little small fish. What did he do? What did he do? He worked miracle, yes, but what, more importantly, what did he do to people who were not like him? He saw a physical need, and he met that need. If we're going to love others who are not like that, we need to start seeing physical needs in their life and meeting those needs. We need to start seeing a need in their life and meeting their need. We can't just say, I love you, brother, and never help them out. You can't just say, hey, I love you, bro. I love you, man. I'm going I'm, I'm to pray for you, man. Dude, like, don't give me prayer. Give me money for groceries, man. Like, it, pray too. But help me physically. You know, I always say that if you truly love someone, you're going to prove it to them by your actions. Look at the person you're with. This is going to, man, I hope you guys all go home and have a big argument about this. Look at the person you're with and ask yourself, are they showing me how much they love me by their actions? And if you need to ask yourself this question. Am I proving my love to the other person next to me by the way I act? Like if I was deaf and mute and I couldn't hear and I couldn't speak, would this person know that I love them by what I do, by the way I treat them, by the things I do for them? Do I do, I do things? And not that I'm like, oh, I'll get you the blanket. Like, not, not stuff, oh, I'll go get you the ketchup from their fridge. I don't want to have to do this. Like, it's not like begrudgingly serving. It's willingly serving. Like, baby, I'm going to bring you the ketchup, girl. I'm going to bring you the mustard. You want a little bit of radish on a hot dog? Whatever you want. I'm going to put it on that hot dog. I'm going to take care of you, honey. Don't you worry. Like, that's what I'm talking about. I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to even eat it too, man. But are we loving people? Philippians 2.14 says that each of us should look not only to our own desires, but also to the interests of others. Let me read it again. We are, each of you ought to look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. In other words, quit being selfish, man. Think about other people around you and prove you to those people that you love them. 
I serve Sarah like this every chance I get, man. I serve Sarah, whether it's, 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 you know, I come home from work, I'm dead tired, I've worked 12 hours, and she's cooking dinner, and she's, she's, she's rushed to cook dinner, and, and I either wash dishes, or I'll clean up around the house, or you know, I'll repair stuff in the house, whether it's a broken thing. If you've been in, my, if you've been in my, my house, you know there's one thing that's broken. If you've ever used my restroom, you know there's one thing that's broken in my house I have not fixed, and that's the toilet paper holder. If you guys know that, have you guys, you, you can be honest with you, Move me and say, man, Pastor Felix needs to get on the ball. Some of y'all just need to love me and fix that for me. Like, I'm just saying it straight out. Some of y'all need to just come over and do that, that drywall. You know, I know. I mean, something, man. So repairing stuff or rubbing her feet, whatever it is, I serve her. I love her by my actions. And if you're not loving your, your, your spouse or the people around you with your actions, you're really not proving you love them. If we're not loving people who don't look like us with actions— that we're not really loving them, whatever it is. I take great pride in serving Sarah, and we should take great pride in serving others. So Jesus wants us to demonstrate our love to others by serving them. And if he wants us to do this, then I want to ask us this question, and I want us to answer this question. Then when was the last time you selflessly served someone you hated? Ooh, that's hard, right? I just heard someone go, ooh. That's hard to do. When was the last time you selflessly served someone you hated? When was the last time you ate a meal with someone who deals with homosexuality? Like, when was the last time you saw your coworker who, who deals with that, and you say, instead of just avoiding that person, hey, I'm going to invite them out to lunch on, on, on lunch break and just go hang out and talk? Let's talk about life. Talk, how's, your, you know, how, how's your life going? When's the last time you took a family of the other race out on a family fun day? When's the last time you said, man, I know my neighbors, I know, I know they're a different race, and I know we don't get along when it comes to, like, what we like to do together, but everyone likes to go out to, like, Hurricane Alley or we go to the Hoax game, but we're going to invest time and money into these people and say we're going to spend time with them versus just ignoring them and pushing them off. When's the last time we did that? When was the last time you cut the yard for your mean coworker? When was the last time you bought a gift for the person who disrespected you? When was the last time that you actually said thank you or you bought paid for someone's lunch that, that that's homeless or or you know messed up looking? Now, when was the last time you did something like that? We all need to be loving people and showing people that we love them by serving people. Whatever it is that you see a need for, we need to fill it. Jesus wanted us to love and have compassion on others outside of our own circles. He showed us this by serving and how we, if we serve others too, we can grow in love with them. That if we serve them, we will eventually start growing in love. I'll tell you what, when Sarah and I first got together, as, as, when we first got there, there was an initial spark in the attraction. And that's just hormones and stuff. And a lot of that wears off. If you've been with someone longer than six months, you know that wears off after about eight months. Sorry, it does, and then reality sets in. The fact that you have to deal with this person for a while sets in. And me and Sarah were going through that and dealing with it. And I remember my pastor said, well, you need to serve her. And the more you serve her, and as she serves you, then your love will grow because you're having compassion on someone. And it's true. The more you serve people who are not like you, the more you will learn to love people who are not like you, the more comfortable you will get with people who are not like you. Case in point, I used to hate rap music. 
straight up. But you came in earlier, Tim, we were sitting up. I was bumping Lecrae over here, man. You know, and you know why? Because I hung out with people who were different than me, culturally totally different than me. But I related to them, and I started to love it. I started to understand it, the culture. Uh, you know, I, I'm a country boy. I grew up on country music, man. Same thing with rock music. I used to hate rock, heavy metal rock music. Now I can, I can headbang with the best of Metallica fans. I love that. But we have to be willing to do that. But why should we be willing to go to that distance? Why should we be willing to love people to that point where we push ourselves out of our comfort zone? Why should we be willing to go that far? It's because God went that far for us. And I'd like to end with the quote the, that I started with. I'd like to end the way I began. I want us to listen to this quote one more time before we pray and wrap it up. I want us to ask ourselves, are we living like this? Are we really loving like this? And if we're not, what are we going to do today to change that? Are we going to start really inviting people around us? And it doesn't even have to be people of a different race or a different, you know, sexual orientation or anything like that. It doesn't have to be people like that. I mean, there's people that we hate that look just like us. What are we going to do to stop the hate and to stop these emotions of just feeling like we have to be against people and start willing and seeing them as people that we need to be connected to for God? And the reason that we do this, the reason why we do this, is because God did that for us first. God looked down upon heaven and saw his creation rebelling against him, doing things wrong, sinning against him, and he sent his son for us. And we did that. He did that for us so that he can be loving us. I want to read that quote one more time. Now I want us to pray. The quote says this, if you cease, he says, you cease to move into yourself away from others. So I mean, stop being so selfish. Stop segregating yourself from people. Stop just saying that, you know what, this is me, this is what I want. Stop doing that. He says, if you cease and moving into yourself away from people, if you cease Move into yourself away from others. And if you give up your antagonism, it means antagonism. If you give up your hate, if you give up the things that hate, that, that stir up hate and, and conflict in your life, if you give that stuff up, he says you begin to move towards others in love. That means you fight the urge to walk away. You, you fight the urge to move forward. It says you move toward God, it says you began to move towards others and love God because God moved towards you in gracious, outgoing love, and you moved towards others in that same outgoing love. Are you willing to move towards others around you in that same gracious, outgoing love? Let's go ahead and pray. Holy God, we're so thankful today for what you have done on the cross for us. And because you went to the cross and because you, you died for us, because you, you, you sent your son down here for us, that is the greatest display of love. And because you loved us first, we ought to love others. God, you commanded us to love others. You commanded us to do things that are not comfortable because you know that that is the way that your kingdom will grow. That is the way you will be glorified. And we ought to love others who are not like us. 
God, may you just grow in us. May you give us the courage to, to step out of our comfort zones and to, to reach out to our neighbors and to reach out to our coworkers and people around us. Lord, and to just love them by serving them. Teach us to, to do something that is above our, ourselves and to do something for others that is selfless. God, you are so awesome, Lord. You are so mighty that you would do that. Lord, because everyone needs compassion. Everyone needs this. In Christ's name I pray, amen.